Cameron, have you heard that trend about milk and like the political leanings behind milk? So what did you, you just say? If you go to uh, a coffee shop, milk? yeah, milk, and and you uh, you order something with like ho- like whole milk, they just call it, they like label you a Republican, or if you order it with like oat milk, you're like a, a full on socialist or something like that. Like no, it's I like this whole is it's that this whole, really a thing? Yeah, I mean, it's like the funniest joke to me, and so now every time I order coffee, which I just got some. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, what does this person think I am? Are mm. they like trying to guess my political leaning? Well, you'll never know. You'll just never know. You know what I'm saying? Well, I feel like either you're a Republican or you're a barista because baristas drink whole milk and and nothing else. So, Oh, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, if you're a true connoisseur, you know, you got to be open to all the milks, right? Juliana, but, she's my girlfriend. She's a little bit lactose, so like, mm, she yeah. she's like, no, dude, I don't touch that. I don't touch any of of that, uh, you know, cow juice or whatever. Got that oatly. Got, That's right. Got to squeeze those oats. Hello however, and welcome <laughs> to Cinema to Spectator, <laughs> a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today we watched The Apartment, directed by Billy Wilder, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom today. How are you? I have been way better, but this week has just been whack, and I would just want to, just for a moment, just shout out to Cameron. Cameron and I have been podcasting together for a long time. You are one of the most patient people, Cameron. Like, seriously, I my schedule and emotions have been totally whack. Maybe this is TMI for you guys, but... I don't know. Work was just driving me up the wall. Like, I feel like I'm at a level of stress currently in my life where it was like I was having a hard time breathing. Maybe it's just all the bad food I've been eating, but it's really getting to me. So Mm. uh, I appreciate Cameron. I appreciate you guys' audience listeners. This isn't late. It's a miracle, but we did lose an hour of sleep. I don't know how we're going to get through this one. That's (laughs) why uh, I got coffee. But yeah, I've been better. How about you, Cameron? I've been doing all right. Um, Yeah, we were supposed to watch... uh, uh, some like it hot last week. It's all right. We'll do it next week. No big deal. Um, we have a good show lined up though because I love this movie. Um, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And oh yeah. Um, you know, before we get into that, I guess, uh, what have you been watching? I've been really trying to catch up because the Oscar nominations are coming out on the day that this airs. So I've been trying to catch up on movies from this year. But what have you been watching? Well, I really only watched one film, like for real, uh, this week, and it was Jojo Rabbit. I watched it with ah. Glenn, my brother, who had never seen it, and it was just a joy to experience with him. That movie is much better than I remember, and I loved it when I saw it. I saw it multiple times in theaters. Um, it, it's very colorful, a disorienting array of... Um, themes and style in that movie like there there's so many quirks to Taika Waititi and his and his um his the way that he directs and puts things together from like like there's very strange German music in the movie um which I love and it's very like indicative of his style from his other films as well but yeah the movie is just heartfelt it tackles issues that shouldn't be possible to be like well, not not that they shouldn't be possible, but he does it in a way that is so entertaining and convincing and and warm. Like there's this warmth to the movie mm. uh, that is is great. So if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, give it a chance. That's all I'm gonna say. Give it a chance. Um, it is beautifully shot. 
if you if you can't find anything else, just enjoy how gorgeous the movie looks. Um, but I think you'll find something you like. I agree. I love Jojo Rabbit. I think it's genuinely like one of the best movies that's come out um, in a long time. I, I think it's I think it's really, really spectacularly done. So, um, yeah, I would highly recommend watching that um, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, we talked about that, right? Didn't we? Jojo Rabbit I think at one maybe point? in our old show we we mentioned it. I don't think it ever got like a full no, yeah, review yeah. or anything like that. But um, well, this week I watched three movies. I watched. We need to talk about Kevin, um, which is a movie from 2011 or so, um, directed by Lynn Ramsey. Uh, it's it's a great movie. I mean, it's just devastatingly sad um, and depressing, uh, but it's really it's really great and it. It's kind of the opposite of of Jojo Rabbit, where like you know Jojo Rabbit grapples with difficult things in a humorous and heartfelt way, and in like a very warm way, um, and this grapples with uh, uh, really dark things in like a real and honest and personal way, um, mm. and as depressing as it is, I think it's just a masterpiece. I think it's so good, um, but. Uh, yeah, and then I watched On the Rocks with um, uh, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. It's the um, newest Sofia Coppola movie. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was definitely one of the best movies that I've seen this year. Um, yeah, just like just a standout movie. I, I thought it was a lot of fun and a really interesting depiction of, of fatherhood and, you know, Things like that. So I definitely would recommend watching that if you haven't seen it. And then I also watched Judas and the Black Messiah um, a couple nights ago. And I'm not I'm I'm still not sure necessarily if like what I think about it. I I, I definitely enjoyed it. And stylistically, it's really, really gorgeous. Um, uh, it's I, I can't remember the director's name, but um, the cinematographer is Sean Bobbitt, um, who's just an uh, incredible work, um, and he 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 br- hits it home again in this movie. Um, yeah, the, I think I think it does slow down a little bit in the middle. Um, it the pace is a little bit um, weird, I would say, uh, but overall, I think it's a really strong uh, strong movie, um, and it it definitely has. Um, a- outstanding performances all around. So, yeah, that's my wrap up for this week. Um, I've been trying, like I said, I've been trying to catch up on on movies that came out this year. So, yeah, well, that's cool. Cameron from the three, is there one that you'd recommend or? Um, well, I would definitely recommend watching. We need to talk about Kevin. Um, if you haven't seen it already, uh, as far as new movies, I would, I would, uh, I would watch on the rocks. It's just a fun, um, like sweet heartfelt movie that has, you know, a lot of good stuff to it. So I, mm. I would definitely recommend it. Um, watch it, you know, for date night or something. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice movie. It's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. So. Well, great. Yeah. This is a uh, cinema spectator, a show where a expert and casual review the movies and we're going to get into the the movie cameron shit you're shaking your head because you're like you're not reading the script cameron i can tell <laughs> i get it he's like dude he's he flubbed it yeah so we post every monday uh you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions throw a couple dollars away get a commentary track get your questions read on air all those special benefits so go there if you want to support the show uh, alongside you can give us a rating on itunes tell friends and family that is how the show 
grows. Today's film is The Apartment. Cameron is the expert. He picked this one out. Um, it's an interesting choice. We're doing Billy Wilder month this month. So Cameron, give us a little bit of intro and backdrop into it. Yeah, definitely. So um, The Apartment, this is kind of later-ish in uh, in Billy Wilder's career. He, like I said last week, he's gone through a couple different periods of his of his career, a couple different periods in his life. Um, you know, he started off with uh, working as mainly just a writer in, um, you know, in the writer's room at Paramount. Um, he worked with with uh, Charles Brackett a lot, and he he always had a, a writing partner that was like he he couldn't write without a writing partner, basically. Um, and so he, you know, he always he wrote with Charles Brackett in the first half of his career. Um, they did a couple Lubitsch pictures and a couple of his own. Um, and then actually he, after the movie that we, sorry, after Sunset Boulevard, uh, in 1950, he got in a big fight with the studio head at Paramount, obviously, cause that movie's kind of inflammatory towards, <laughs> towards how people are treated in Hollywood and towards right, the executives right. and whatever. Um, and so he, um, he started swearing at the, uh, at the, this, you know, the owner of Paramount and uh and stormed out of his office and uh it was kind of a big hubbub and so he you know after that he moved on he started making less studio pictures more um it, it basically you know in that time there's a there was a system of owning your writers owning your actors owning your directors so the studio paramount they would offer you a contract for to do you know a certain amount of pictures in you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, it's kind of like a baseball contract or like a sports contract in that way. Um, and so he left. And after that, he was like, I'm never doing, I'm never being under contract again. I'm just selling one picture to one studio. So in the fifties, that's where you get kind of this explosion of Billy Wilder movies that were, you know, he had a, a bit of a rough go after, um, Ace in the Hole flopped and, um, and, Witness. He had one other major major flop that that didn't do so well, um, oh. and then after a couple of years, he he started working with uh, Marilyn Monroe. He started working with um, Audrey Hepburn, and that's when he kind of came into the mainstream. Was able to to bring his name up again, um, and Some Like It Hot was really his his like probably the high point of his career. This was the movie he made directly after Some Like It Hot, after his kind of biggest movie, biggest um, production, uh, most critically and commercially uh, commercially acclaimed movie too. Um, and this one was another, you know, he, he, he hit it twice. So, you know, this was another one that, that people just loved, loved, loved when, the, when it came out. Um, I believe he... I'm trying to look at the the Oscar nominations. I can't remember. Oh yeah, so it won five Oscars. Um, it won for best picture, best director, best writing, um, and best editing, and then art direction. And then it was nominated. All of the the actors were were nominated as well. So this was a hit um, in its day. This was definitely a big big moment for him. Um, and yeah, it, right in the middle of his of his career and it's still to this day one of his most longest lasting and most well-known movies so 
Well, yeah, no, I think it was definitely an interesting experience coming off of Witness for the Persecu- or Prosecution uh, that we watched last week. That movie was before this, and yes. um, he's kind of climbing back up after his flop of Ace in the Hole, right? Yeah. Um, I'm bummed. I, I know that we were supposed to watch uh, some like at Hot before this, uh, but I think even without knowing a ton of the context of what happened around that movie and just knowing that this is when he was a little bit in the spotlight, thematically, this movie is super interesting to me. And 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 it's rare for me as a casual movie viewer to come alongside these movies and sort of listen to the creator or the director in the, in the moment. Like it's it's I think hard for people to not get wrapped up in the plot or style or production of a movie. Um m- more more often than not you don't hear the voice of the person that had a vision behind the project, right? And I think Wilder absolutely captures that in this movie and it's almost impossible to ignore it for me. Um because just the I don't I don't know if it's directly um paralleled or it's the fact that I have context in the way he was rejected from Hollywood and sort of struggled with that. But like this movie is aggressive towards like maybe a work life that is too real to him, right? Um and I'm not sure if if it's supposed to like directly correlate with with his career in any any way at all but that's just sort of what i began to pull from it whether i liked it or not i was like there's too much authenticity in the way that the characters come across and the structure of life that these characters experience where it's like it's it's so real that they had to pull from some sort of like inspiration that was kind of close to home you know what i'm saying yeah and that's that's what i've been finding like just so great about these Wilder films is, you know, we talked about Sunset Boulevard having great characters, Witness for the Prosecution, just just these characters that are bigger than life. And then it's almost like this movie, and again, I don't have the context of some like a hot, but this movie's like, I know my characters are great. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not something that is flaunted. It's just um, shown. It's just shown and it's unapologetic mm-hmm. and he's like mastered that craft. So he's going above and beyond in this movie to, to just, you know, really drive at a dystopian, um, sort of like workplace, but also a deep dive on a flaw of character, which is like people pleasing. Right. Yeah. Which I think is, is, is something that is so applicable to so many, um, situations in life just personally it's like outside of career outside of even relationships and things like that like this movie is is very deep um and i did not expect this movie to approach it in in like in this way because i um just like from from the other movies i've seen by wilder and coming off very high from Witness of the, for the Prosecution, which I loved. I absolutely recommended that movie. Um, I still think about it. You know, Cameron, after that episode, I didn't tell you this. That's that's the other movie. I watched it again. Like, really? no joke. Like, right wow. after. I, I was like, Mom, Dad, you guys got to watch this movie. Like, I was like, you guys just have to. Yeah. And they loved it. They thought it was great. Um, and so, because they they enjoyed it, and my mom was like, I liked it so much, like, 
uh, I said, well, hey, I'm watching another Wilder movie this week if you guys want to watch The Apartment. So we watched it together. My entire family was like, yeah. let's go, you know? Um, very different. This movie is very different than that, right? It is, yeah. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into the plot, but it is cynical and pretty depressing, like, mm-hmm. all the way through. And I there, there was a halfway point where I looked over at my dad, and he was hunched over in his chair, like, just completely, <laughs> like, almost, like, just disgusted by the film because it was um, really making you uncomfortable with the situation and what was happening in the movie. And I was like, man, I don't know where this movie is going to go because I know that while there is a little bit, actually very much cynical, right? And I was like, and I don't, like, like uh, his movies usually end pretty tragically in some ways, you know? Yeah, they do, yeah. And so um, I'm sure we're going to get into the ending. But overall, uh, this movie is very mature i think it's mm-hmm. very very mature and um it it executes on what it aims to do uh well i do think that the movie has a little bit of pacing problems in the middle where i was beginning to think like okay i don't really know where this is going or what exactly is happening because it's it seems like we have our cast of characters and they're doing the thing that they're doing and i'm not I'm not convinced on any sort of direction, but this movie hinges on drama. So once once events begin to take place, particularly um, with, uh, let's see, Fran's character, right? When she when she um, kind of pushes the plot along, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That that's when it picks up, and I forgot to think about like pacing. I guess like when yeah. you start when you start thinking about pacing, you're like, that's not good, and then. I forgot about it once that event happened. So overall, I I really enjoyed it, and I was surprised. A majority of my family really liked it too, um, despite the depressing nature of the movie. So yeah, um, yeah. Did your dad end up like turning around on it? Yeah, I asked him this morning after he had some time to sleep on it, and he was like, "Yeah, that movie was really good. Like he yeah. he enjoyed it." And he said, "I'm." I was very afraid that it was going to end in a way that would just make me feel like I wasted my time. Mm. But instead, you know, the ending, the resolution is a statement about some of the themes, right? It totally. It is saying, like, to take action, I guess, in a positive way, which, you know, not mo- not all movies have to kind of shout out to the audience in that regard, but I think it's done quite tastefully and with, very much a wilder um, string of drama. That yeah. that scene where Fran is running up the staircase. Is yeah, just, it's amazing. It's yeah. excellent. It's so. Oh my gosh, dude! My entire family was on the edge of their seats right then. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. What I love about um, Wilder, I think, I think you put it put it really well in that his um, his movies really never feel like they end and they've wasted your time. You know, he always finds some way to to hit it out of the park in the end. You know, there's there's always something something that stands out about the ending of all of his movies. Um, you know, even even Double Indemnity, which you you didn't like as much as the other ones, um, the ending is is what you think about a lot. I oh, yeah. for me it is, you know. Um there and and there's always it, it's usually a combination of uh character moment, right? And a and a a, a finality to the plot or a um, a sort of 
a conclusion that makes you satisfied in terms of of the plot and where where it's gone. Um, and I think this is this is totally uh, the same. You know, this is this is very similar in that way. So um, yeah, no, I I totally agree. I. Um, I think we should get into a bit of the of the plot and and sort of where it goes. I would say this one is a little bit more plot driven than a lot of his other movies. Um, you know, his movies are 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 funny because there are um, there are two, I would say there's like two categories um, of his movies. There's there's really a lot, but there's two categories of his movies. There's like the, his comedies and then his his straight dramas. Um, and his comedies I find are a little bit more um, more character driven. They're a little bit more. Um, you know the the plot is is not quite as central even though it's still you know it's still moving you in a, in a direction but really the idea is like the scenario and the 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 drama around the the characters and you know that's where the comedy comes from um and then his dramas a lot of times are also very character focused obviously but uh, the plot is kind of what what keeps you one of is one of the hooks right you know the plot where it's going is is one of the hooks this movie is is uh, different because it's it's um, it's combination. Uh, you know, it's it's both a comedy and a drama, and it, it takes both of the amazing things from um, you know from those those realms, and it it mixes them together, and it makes something that's that's a little bit more. Um, like it's it's a it's a deeper movie in some ways than than yeah. some of his others. So um, well, it's it, it's interesting that it was put down as a comedy because. My like beginning to watch it, it does not feel like a comedy. Yeah, if I if I'm being honest, like because I I told my whole family it's like oh yeah it's right here it's the co- it's comedy, <laughs> and then we start watching it and everybody's kind of scratching their heads like wait this is not that funny you know yeah. I think one of the things that I enjoy about Wilder is that his comedy although like it doesn't it probably doesn't make a modern audience laugh instead those jokes and those like elements of wit come across as like timeless dialogue. Yeah. Despite like, despite the um, joke not landing in some ways, I like there was a moment where um, Fran's brother is like, who's buddy boy. Right. Like that's, (laughs) and I looked at Glenn, neither of us were laughing, but we were like, that was probably a laugh out loud moment. Like back in the sixties, you know, like people are like, Oh man, that's so funny. Instead. It's just, clever now right it's well set up um but i think that's a compliment in my book because it's not often that i watch an old movie and like i'm dying of laughter to be honest like slapstick is the only comedy that i think (laughs) from from like old like black and white movies that that just almost outdoes maybe modern comedies in a way but i i will say i think comedies are hard for me there's not a lot of like talking comedies i guess you could say that Mm -hmm. really make me laugh out loud um i'm more into the absurdist or situational comedy in in films yeah yeah um so maybe maybe i just have a a warped view of what a comedy is but no i think well i think that's true i think his movies are um less like drop dead funny and more witty and um 
and just excellently written, written, you know, like there's, there's moments that you're like, wow, that's, that was like so well set up, you know, that was so well put together. Um, but I, I mean, you're right. Like, like, I think there were, there were uh, two moments that, that got genuine laughs out of me, um, watching it this time again. Um, but, but for the most part, I mean, it's not, that's not really the point either. Um, and, and one of the, one of my criticisms of, of sort of modern comedies is that they're, they're like, they're jokes first and movies second. Um, right. And right. I think, I think the, the nice thing and the fun thing about, about Wilder's movies, especially his funny, funnier movies is their movies first and jokes second, you know, and, and that, that works for me better because I, I'm, I'm not expecting a laugh. I'm expecting a an excellently written movie. And if I get a laugh, then I'll you know that's ha- I'm happy with that. Yeah. And there so. are there are some great moments in this film where it's just like you can't help but smile. I think yeah. Like I I don't know much about Jack Lemon and really like what he's in. I didn't even really know his name before. Like. To be honest, watching this movie with my parents was really entertaining because they're like, oh, we love Jack Lemmon. We love Fred McMurray, you know? Yeah. And I was like, who? You know, I don't I don't know these people, right? Well, um, you do. Fred McMurray was in Double Indemnity, so. Was he really? He was the guy. He was uh, he was the main guy in Double Indemnity. Wow. I couldn't I couldn't have even. He was guessed. older. He's older. Yeah. In yeah. This movie. I don't know. He doesn't look older. I don't know what it is. That movie like. He maybe it's just he's acting so different that it's unrecognizable. Yeah, because it could be that. Yeah, he's so sympathetic in this movie. You know, he's like a kind of like a puppy getting kicked around or something. Fred like that. McMurray? No, no, no. I thought you were talking about Jack Lemmon. No, 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 no. Fred McMurray. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the boss. He's the boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. No, no. I totally believe that now. Yeah. I was like, you're telling me Jack Lemmon is no, the guy? No, 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 no. 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 Fred <laughs> I was McMurray. Like, oh man. I swore that you just said. I was like, I'm going crazy now. Like, no. I, I can't even picture that guy's face. You know, on on. <laughs> no, no, yes. no, yeah, yes, Fred. Okay, that that I realize that now. Okay, yeah, I believe that. Um, no, but Jack Lemmon's super sympathetic, and um, we're talking about comedy, right? Like that whole story when he's like serving spaghetti, he talks about shooting himself in the knee. <laughs> yeah, like that part is hilarious, dude. <laughs> And he and it's so in character too because he's trying to like wow Fran right he's really trying there and um, and he's telling just like a terrible story about himself <laughs> yeah tell a terrible story about him trying to commit suicide and he's just smiling <laughs> right and, and he's like it, oh no I was fine <laughs> yeah it's but it's it's also like it just it gels so well with everything that's going on in the movie yeah. it's it's man it. It is expertly put together, right? So I think, you know, okay, we should definitely get into the characters. Um, We're going to get into spoilers, too, because as we talk about these characters, we have to discuss their moments. Um, Yeah, and their conclusions, too. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's start... Let's do a little overview of the plot, I would say, before we do characters. Is that okay? Sure. Um. Yeah, so I mean, this story is about uh, sort of a low-level office worker who, um, you know, by happenstance, just by sort of the luck of being around, uh, you know, poor people in the office, um, he ends up lending his apartment out um, while 
while his coworkers are having affairs. And so he gets he gets himself into a situation where he you know, basically every night of the week, he's lending his apartment out to his coworkers and he has to reschedule them. And, you know, he's he's sort of running running this mini hotel um, just because he he said yes one time and he's kind of being taken advantage of here. And um, really, the idea for for him is that he's using it as a way to move up in his um in his job you know that's his that's kind of his goal and so throughout the the plot he gets into into bigger and bigger um roles in the company and he also ends up you know learning bigger and bigger secrets essentially and um the biggest one is that his his boss his real boss um he you know ends up uh, taking the girl that he's interested in um, to to his apartment, um, and that's sort of where the where the drama lies in most of the movie. So, and that's like I think you you summarized it perfectly. But just hearing that, right? Like that's a thick, juicy like drama setup, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's not yeah. it's not light. It doesn't feel light in the movie. Uh, but there are these breaths of fresh air. Uh, little comedic moments. And I'd say that there are supporting characters that just um, kind of, you know, like I'm not one to be like, I want to go watch a drama film, honestly, right? Like I usually like a little bit of um, other like con, uh, like ele- like structure, other structure to make the drama elevated, right? But it is in the full frontal focus of this film. Like, the, the mm-hmm. description is 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 heavy, and uh, the comedic elements are more of the supporting role versus it being a comedy like like you were saying, comedy first, you know, plot or or movie second, right? No, like there there was intention behind this very depressing plot. I mean, it's it's I don't know, like watching it. There's all these disgusting men who are like hooking up in his apartment and the guy like has to sleep out on the street some nights and yeah it's just and like, he has man. to like clean up after them and like yeah. they always leave things there and yeah no it's um it's 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 kind of it is very cynical about uh, sort of the workplace and um the nature of of you know working and um and cheating on your wife and you know and you know like it's uh, in some ways, it's kind of a surprising movie for the '60s because this was before, um, you know, this was still during the the time where it was it, movies were censored, you know, um, and you could tell there's there's the one thing I love about Billy Wilder is he is he is such a profound user of innuendo, um, and that's what I think makes his his movies genuinely witty is everything means something else. Um, you know, every, every moment or every line of dialogue is kind of laced with, with double meaning and with innuendo. And especially in this movie, I mean, the whole, the whole movie centers around, uh, around sort of, um, the idea of, of having affairs, the idea of, you know, being unfaithful to your wife and, um, you know, and then also be using uh, using sex or using favors to to get ahead in in your life and get ahead in in certain areas. Um, and and it's a very mature plot. It's not it's not one that you would normally find in a movie from from this era. Um, and yet it does it in a way that is totally um, 
totally above the censors, you know, totally above board and very um, clever and very funny. You know, it doesn't feel immature either. Um, yeah, I could tell, like, you know, my parents are very moral people. Uh, and watching this film with them, there's nothing inherently, like, explicit, yeah. right? Because they're not going to show nudity or, you know, anything disgusting like that, right? But they were just unsettled, I think, by the entire display and even i think they were even more uncomfortable because it was an old movie they were like wait this is <laughs> yeah. not supposed to be like in an old movie yeah but um they were won over by it for sure yeah because it it has something to say about all of it right it's it it doesn't make you linger there for no reason and there was a moment where i thought it might <laughs> but it, it definitely picks up and the and the breath of fresh air that is that is breathed into this heavy plot is the supporting actors and jokes and all that stuff. Even Jack Lemmon himself is, is very um, like pleasant to see, but I got to shout out uh, Dr. Dreyfus. Oh yeah. He's Dude, the best. He is just, <laughs> he's one excellent from his opening lines about be like, a mensch, be a mensch. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the opening lines about um, him donating his body to science and things like that, right? <laughs> like that's such a funny um oh man. Like and and he's so um you just love him. It, mm-hmm. It's like quintessential Wilder character. Shows totally. up three lines and you're already in love with the guy, you know? <laughs> and his wife too. She has like one scene basically. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll love her. You know her right away, you know? Yeah, um, and you know been... people who could be like them too. You know, you right. There's like it's it's almost like the synthesis of of like four different people that you might know. You know, and that's that's what makes his character so great is they're they're not just like well written people and well written characters, but they're like they're 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 people who are relatable and who you you might know or you might walk into on the street you know they're totally they're totally real human beings real people that you you can you can tell you know yeah yeah and so i mean like all the supporting characters are wilder classics but it really does center around this love triangle that is struggling with a power dynamic and it's whack, man. Like it is a weird relationship between all of them. Fran being the elevator girl that um uh that Jack Lemon's character falls for. Baxter. Um CC Baxter. What's his first name? Is it it's not CC. They, is I it? think they say it like in the first in the opening lines. They just keep he, calling they call him Buddy Boy. They call him Baxter or yeah, Buddy Boy. Oh jeez. What a <laughs> obnoxious uh, like my brother and I were playing Super Mario afterwards because we've been trying to beat this game together. And like just because it's devolved into just brotherly hatred, uh playing this game, like we just murder each other in the game <laughs> and not and, tr- and try to hurt each other to get through the levels of this of this Mario game. And um it was just constant buddy boys last night. Constant. <laughs> After that movie, it was just it didn't end. You know, buddy just, boy. Yeah, come on, buddy boy, you're behind or whatever. <laughs> it was it was brutal. I I honestly hate the phrasing, but it is it's obnoxious. Um, and they the the people who say it are obnoxious too. Like they're oh, the yeah. most they're the most like ugh you you hate them already. You know. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so um, we've talked about Jack Lemmon a little bit. Let's talk about Fred McMurray, and then we'll get we'll get into uh, Shirley MacLaine too. Yeah, um, yeah. Fred McMurray is the boss, kind of the the big, um, you know, either the CEO or a, a top executive in this company, uh, which is like an insurance company with like thirty thousand employees or something. They mentioned yeah, it yeah. at the beginning how like they have to stagger the the opening and closing times because they need thirty thousand people to to leave the elevator or whatever. Um, yeah, and so. So he, uh, you know, he's sort of the big boss, the big man um, in this company. And the first thing that you see of him is, you know, uh, Jack Lemmon's character gets called into his office and he's he's kind of writing in the riot act about about letting his his apartment key float around. Um, And, you know, and he he tell he tells this this sob story about, you know, uh, when, when there's one bad apple in the bunch, blah blah blah, you know, and and we're we're a family business or you know something like that. And uh, by the end of the conversation, the audience realizes that that he's asking for the key to the apartment. Um, but Jack Lemmon's character uh, isn't isn't catching on at the at the at the beginning. Um, and and so yeah, and so what you realize throughout the throughout the film is that he's been sort of leading this this double life of being a upstanding uh guy who has a, a wife and kids and you know is uh is a good moral character and then you know behind behind their back he's um you know he's been dating everyone in the office essentially so um she so so his character is um y- you find out fairly quickly that he's been seeing um the elevator girl Fran um who who Jack Lemon is is interested in um and so there's the the dramatic irony of of you knowing um that they've been seeing each other um but he doesn't know jack lemon doesn't know and um you know he he takes he takes her to uh to jack lemon's apartment and uh you know and they're they're trying to they're they're sort of they're in this relationship where he keeps saying that that he's going to leave his wife, and he keeps uh, being like, "I love you, Fran. You know, I I I I'm going to leave my wife wife for you," um, and then he never ends up going through with it. And there's sort of this um, this back and forth in in that area. Um, and spoilers, I guess. Right? Are we spoiling? Yeah, yeah. No. Go for it. Um, spoilers, but. Uh, he he does end up leaving his wife in the end, um, and for Fran, you know, he he does end up well. Moving well, yeah, no, that's that's true. Yeah, he, um, yes, he he ends. Obviously, the implication is that he doesn't really care about her. He he just doesn't like his wife, um, you know. And he says, "I'm going to enjoy the back the the bachelor uh, lifestyle for a little bit," and right. you know, blah blah blah. But he. He is, you know, his plan is to move in with Fran, um, and and yeah, and so, you know, by the but, end, but well, he does say a lot throughout the plot, and Fred McMurray's character is just you just really hate him in this yeah. movie. I think, yeah, totally. He uh, he does say a lot where it's like, oh, you know, the same old spiel. Tell the girl that you're gonna leave the wife, but you you can't. They don't understand, right? And the only reason he ends up leaving is because his secretary like tattles on him. Mm, yes, uh, yes. With, and and that's how he's um, kind of like thrown out by his wife. 
Yeah. But he's, of course, being like the cocky, horrible person that he is, is like, no, I I finally left her for you, you know? It's like, I'm not convinced, you know? Even Fran's character is like, oh, he's a liar. Like, I can mm-hmm. tell. He's been lying for a while. So, yeah, I think he had this moment for me where it's like there's a charm where you like him for kind of cracking down on um, Jack Lemmon's character about the key in that first introduction. As a matter of fact, I was like, I bet you Fred McMurray is going to kind of be a vigilante for the company here and have a little fun, you know? And I would have, I like, there was a hopeful side of me. I was like, that would be really funny <laughs> where they continue to have those executives come over and he's just sitting in the chair like uh, to catch a predator or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, like that. I was yeah. like, what a what a fun thing this is going to be. And then he's like, no, I want the key. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This, this has gone south. And it was just funny because my mom was like, I love Fred McMurray. And watching this, she's like, I hate Fred McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, it was um he he really pulled out the the evil antagonistic force in 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 this uh movie. And it, it just I, I don't have much to say about his character besides the fact that he's irritating. <laughs> you just you really don't like him. Um that's not where I found a bunch of enjoyment besides the fact that he's just like, he represents the force that is powerful or, or is considered to have power over Jack Lemon's character. And this is where like a little bit of the commentary around like maybe blackmailing or, um, being a yes man, like can be sort of broken down. Right. Um, because the conclusion of the movie is, Jack Lemon's character being like, you know, Baxter's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna help you anymore, right? To this, you know, evil, powerful liar, right? Yeah. And it's all, it's suddenly like he just, he, he's lost it. Like he, um, like he just doesn't have power over Jack Lemon. And that's like such an exciting conclusion. I'm sure we'll get into like implications and meaning at the end, but like, um, he rep- he he is a physical representation of that force that's pressing against the protagonist, right? Yeah. Let's talk about um, Fran for a little bit because I think she has a lot of complexity in her mm-hmm. character and motivation, almost more so than the two guys because totally. she's she's placed in this this interesting situation with some backstory, very believable character, um, instantly likable from the beginning. You know, there's that uh, brief introduction with her where she's kind of talking smack back and then she gets like hit on the butt by one of the annoying buddy boy guys <laughs> and she just lets him have it, yeah. you know? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> she's tell like, him. One of these Find- days I'm going to let these elevator doors close on you and <laughs> yep. you're going to get your hand chopped off. That's like, I'm like, yeah, at least somebody said it, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, so you like her from the beginning. She's obviously caught in a rough place that I think maybe as an audience member, just personally, I was like, just get out of that. Like, you don't want to be a part of that. But she constantly reminds you because you're not, you're, you don't know the history between her and Fred McMurray's character. She, she constantly says like, well, this would be so easy if I wasn't in love. Yeah. And she reminds you of that constantly. Right. And I think as somebody who's casual and I needed 
kind of that reminder of character motivation. I'm like, why don't you just leave him? And then like every other line, she's like, well, it sucks that I'm in love. And I'm like, okay, oh, right, right. You're in love with a terrible person, right? So, yeah. Um, well, and, and she says that. She's like, she's like, why do I have to <laughs> fall, in lo- fall in love basically with the wrong people? Why do I have to, to you know, why do I do this to myself essentially? Yeah. And, and, the- and to be fair, you know, it's not something that I've ever um, understood in terms of like, people's motivations of like like you know people stay with with people that they shouldn't or yeah, whatever yeah. um i don't have any experience with that personally but my you know you know people who do and, oh yeah and you know as frustrating as it can be you you do understand you're like yeah i get it you know i get what you're you know i get how hard it is for for someone who's who's being, you know, physically or emotionally abused to leave and, you know, stuff like that. And so in the same way, you, you kind of understand what Fran is saying is like, she's not, she's not in a place where she feels she can leave in terms of, you know, cause she's still in love with him and she, she still feels connected to him, um, regardless of, of how he is treating her. And she knows that she shouldn't, but she also doesn't want to leave. Um, and that's a very real and a very human thing, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, no. I I was appreciative of how her character kind of was self-aware of her negative actions. Yeah. And I think that kind of helped me fall for her as a character, right? You know, like, I... I I understand the place you're in. I think that's well said, Cameron. You know somebody that's kind of been in that. It's that uh that wilder like stamp, you know. It's like yeah. I f- you feel like you know someone like that, and it's it's super effective in it all. Um. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good overview. But I I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add about Fran's character? Yeah. So obviously she's kind of a tragic character in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in the middle, she, she tries to commit suicide. Um, and kind of the central plot angle is that he has to, he who is in love with her and interested in her has to keep her safe. Um, not because he's, you know, he's, um, in love with her, but because of, of his boss, um, you know, and he he can't really let her leave. He's in kind of this bad situation where she's in love with his boss, and his boss is is demanding that that he you know looks after her, and you know he's caught in the middle, being like, I don't know what to what to do essentially. And so, um, you know, Fran's character is interesting in that she she like you know like we said, she's she's stuck in a bad situation. Um, but also you, you feel like you're, um, like she's sympathetic, you know, she's not a character who is looked on with, with like, uh, uh, judgment, I guess. Um, she's looked on more of as like, as like the, the tragic character or, or a sympathetic character. Um, and in a lot of ways you, you kind of, you feel more, um, sorry for, for, uh, for Jack Lemon's character, because he's you, you like the whole time you kind of want him to be like you want him to to stand up for himself. You know, you want him to um, to to 
punch above his weight and to to get the girl and you want him to to take a heroic step of of you know of meaning and not just be be stepped over um, the entire movie which is basically what he what he is um you know and and then around <laughs> what i love about the the interaction with the neighbor um characters is that they they sort of think of him as the worst implications of everybody else um right so so he is even though he's the the upright guy who's not doing any of these things he's looked at around him you know by his community as the as the the embodiment of all that is bad in you know in vice essentially yeah um, he takes the blame for pretty much everything yeah right? and so in his interaction with with Shirley McLean's character um you know she he finds her uh, passed out on on sleeping pills. She tries to overdose, and he runs over to the neighbor's house, who's a doctor. Um, and you know, while they're trying to revive her, he the 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 neighbor who's the doctor is like, you you have to you have to stop treating people like this, or you have to stop being um, being this uh, this this robot and you know if you would have come home 30 minutes later you you know she would have been dead and so he's kind of giving giving jack lemon the riot act and it's not it's not him but he takes it anyways because he he feels a certain loyalty to his boss and a certain loyalty to her as well um you know he doesn't want her to lose her job and and she he certainly doesn't want to lose his job so he's kind of put in this bad situation where he has to look like the worst person ever. Um, and, and he's, he's not. Um, but as a character, you want him to, you want him to stand up for himself. Yeah. There's a lot of moments. I mean, even like from people that are bad to him to people that are good to him, like you want him to be understood. Yeah. Right. You want him to, just be honest for a second and the doc what's what i think is 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 like heartfelt about it is that the doctor character like they still like him you know Mm -hmm. yeah they still they still like him even though they say oh you know you got to get your life together bud you're doing bad stuff right like they still they still care for him as a person too and yeah it's 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 hard to see him take the blame for these these things that he didn't do, um, but he laughs it off in in a in a fun way, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I I think I think what makes the end uh, of him turning in his his executive key and you know walking out essentially, I think what makes that so impactful is that he was he was walked over the entire time. And in many moments where you were like, just say no, or just, you know, just don't do this. Like you don't, you don't need to do this. Um, and he's, he's walked over. That's the moment where he, he now gets to say no, essentially he, he gets to say, I'm going to do what's right because I don't care about the consequences anymore. You, you can't affect me. Um, you know, you've already you've already taken away everything that I that I care about, and I'm I'm through essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think um, it's so rewarding after mm-hmm. two hours for him to finally take that stand 
but then there wasn't a like instant victory in it, right? Yeah. He goes home and is like, well, I guess I gotta pack up and get out of town, you know? Yeah, I have to uh, leave. <laughs> and there's that just oh like the 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 knife twisting, right? Because he's he's left it, he stood up for himself. Um, he's feeling empowered a little bit, and then he, as he's packing up, like he picks up the gun that he talked about trying to kill himself with, right? And you're just like, oh no, like please <laughs> don't do this, right? Like just because you know you can make your own decision, don't make a decision like that right now, right? Um, because he doesn't really have. You know, at that point, Fran was like, I'm off. I'm going with the executive Fred McMurray. Like, he's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to stand up for myself finally. I I basically got nothing to lose at this point, right? Yeah. You even imagine some of his romance with Fran held him in the job that he had too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but at that point, he's like, whatever. Like, <laughs> that's out of the cards. Let's just, let's go for it. So, um. Wilder shows you the gun. You already know that he tried to kill himself with it. And then you see Fran's reaction once um, Fred McMurray tells her that, you know, uh, Baxter walked out. He was done. He stood up for himself. And Fran runs off right away. She's like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's the guy I want to be with, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and, the, and the scene we mentioned at the beginning, right? What a just... Oh man, like the, it's like the <laughs> pinnacle of drama because you've already seen the gun, right? She's running up the stairs and you hear the pop and you're just like, oh no, like that, please, like let's not have one of those, um, uh, it's like, what am I thinking of? Romeo and Juliet, like they're just barely behind each other, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and instead there's like this super positive and encouraging ending where it's like, oh, he was just popping the champagne for New Year's, right? Like, what a yeah. great... Um, <laughs> what a relief, like, when the door opens, right? Well, he's popping the champagne, and then they, they, you know, she comes in, and they sit down, and they play a rummy game, you know? And that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's... It's so sweet in that, um, you know, there's the the sort of pinnacle of drama where it's it's you know like you said Romeo and Juliet like it could have gone that way where you know ah star-crossed lovers you know she she wasn't in time and blah 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 um, but instead it goes the total Billy Wilder way to do it which is is a moment of sort of sweet relief in some ways um, from the rest of the movie. But it's so it's so genuine. Like yeah. the 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 moment where Baxter looks at Fran and says, like, I adore you, you know, like it's like you can't you can't just throw that in there unless you've earned it. And they mm -hmm. earned it, you know, yeah. like the movie earned it, right? Um any other any other situation with that kind of line would have me be like, okay. But it's it's just it's worked for and it's allowed to happen, you know, like it was, it's, it's set up so, so well. And I think that's what really like won it over for the rest of my family is when the movie concluded, they felt like, like we were saying, right. You feel like you get a positive statement, a call to action at the end, right? Like where it's like, even if you take it at surface value, everything's depressing and bad, stand up for yourself and things will go your way. Right. Right. You know, like there, that's 
as simple as you can break it down, right? It's a it's a important reminder, I think. Um, it is rare for movies to have a call to action and it not feel like street preaching. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it totally does. It's it's a not just a call to you know to stand up for yourself, but it's a call about um, about. Uh, being honest, um, not letting people w- walk all over you, um, being a mensch essentially, you know, and that's a, that is, that's the wilder touch. Totally. There's a, there's a certain, um, you, you get that the movie has a certain amount of wisdom to it in a lot of ways of like, this is, this is him talking to maybe a younger self, or this is him talking to younger, to a younger audience where he's saying like, these are mistakes that you can make. You can let people um, take advantage of you, or you can you can be a mensch. Um, yeah, and I think reflecting on Wilder and what he made, it makes perfect sense, right? That fall from popularity. It almost seems like he's commenting on how that was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. You yeah, know? yeah. You want to know the the full story about that? Um, Let's hear it. So. Why, why he really walked out um this this is so it, it had a lot to do with um with sunset boulevard but he still was under contract um to make uh, to make more movies so he he had two more movies to go um in his in his contract um and he made um let's see um, oh, he made a movie called Stalag 17. That was the other one that I was forgetting that flopped. Okay. Um, so it was Ace in the Hole right after, um, and then Stalag 17. Um, and in that movie, it takes place in a German POW camp. Um, or sorry, in a in a Russian POW camp? I don't know. I have I actually haven't seen it. Uh, but the um the plot centers around essentially a spy in the camp. Um, and in the German market, um, they, when they sold that movie, Paramount, um, they changed the spy from a German spy to a Polish spy. And he came from Austria. He was, um, you know, he, his, all of his family was, was killed in, in concentration camps, um, in Poland. He, you know, that, that's what he knew. And so he was so offended by, um, by that, that act, um, you know, by, by the studio head that he, you know, he just walked in and he, he had that moment in the apartment, you know, he, he walked in and he, he basically said, I'm done. I don't care, you know, what you have to do. I'm, I'm out. I'm not making any more movies for you. Um, and, and that, like you said, like it's this, it's, um, it's very similar to, to that interaction, you know, it's very true to life. Um, this, this movie is, and I don't know, I find it so you can tell it's just an honest movie. You know what I mean? Like you could totally tell. Um, it's, it's, it can have a little bit of pain in it too. Right. Cause I think, I don't know, like I was very conflicted in watching it because there's a lot of excellence in the writing and the way it was put together even the cinematography for wilder which we had commented on before like is sometimes like wilder doesn't have the 
um, the uh, focus on cinematography, whereas Sunset Boulevard obviously has an incredible focus on on, on cinematography, but like uh, witness for the prosecution, like I had a hard time picking out like a shot of the film, even in my second viewing watching it. There's some pretty um, great like framing and interesting camera angles, like w- the ones that I picked out in the movie we watched last week. In my second viewing, we're like, oh, okay, like there's this great shot of um, uh, Wilfred like sitting down at at his like defense table, but the camera is like way up at like the spectators like thing looking down at him, and he's mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm taking you know the pills for my heart, yeah, yeah. um, and, and like. Like, so there's clever framing, but it wasn't like the centerpiece. I think this movie, the apartment, uh, anything outside of the apartment, but even, even, even scenes in the apartment, like the bathroom where he's like, you know, they cleverly hide Fran's character behind like a closet door and he's like starting to stuff away all the razors and things like that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's an attention to detail in so many elements of this film characters, plot, drama, like, uh, delivery on on comedic lines, even the cinematography, and I I wanted to shout it out because I I noticed it instantly in the in the setting introduction of the office building. Mm-hmm. What an incredible looking like amazing uh, shot area! You know him sitting at his desk alone with those just endless desks going down the hall and, and the ceiling lights. I'm like, this is just it looks it looks great. You know, you know what's, like it's, you know what's funny about that is they um <laughs> they. In order to make that shot, they they use like a big warehouse, right? But but oh, to yeah. make it look um, even longer and more drawn out, they scaled. So they you know they used real people in the front, and then they used tiny desks and little kids in suits in the back. <laughs> as That's the great. Went further. I just thought, I find that so hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like the the office has a great uh, feel and setting, and they they get to work with the camera. In, in that regard, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there. There are moments in the apartment that kind of feel like moments in a sitcom, to a degree, right? You're becoming familiar with the apartment and its space, but there are there are other scenes that they have they have those like frame painting shots, right? That are just great. So. That's my shot of the film. I know that came up out of nowhere. Yeah, but me too. I, wanted, I, I agree. It's a, it's a great shot. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to at least give credit where it was due because, in all honesty, the Wilder films they never, or at least the ones we're watching this month. I think Sunset Boulevard is a different story, but um, there was nothing that really stood out to me until this movie, where I was like, oh yeah, like there's there's some some wisdom in making film in all of it. So. Cameron, do you have a, uh, a shot of the film, or is that your one? The one. Yeah, that, no, uh, I I agree. That's it's a it's an amazing shot. I um I also love the one um like how they're framed in the um both the the restaurant that they go to, um like in the last booth and the um the New Year's Eve party and how it's kind of it's it echoes um those you know it echoes the same framing and the same sort of interaction um i really like that that shot as well so i know we concluded our conversation about uh characters but i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about the weird blonde chick that he picked up from the bar oh she's so funny yeah Yeah, she's like obviously new jersey yeah uh, lady yeah she's so funny 
just yeah, what do I just, you think I'll, about Castro? <laughs> yeah. Oh, such a good uh such a good line. And yeah, man. Um I just didn't want to forget her. That was like I'm like, well, I'm looking at the time, the episode's almost over. Yeah. So shout out to her, whoever she she's, is. She's she's so funny. And then I love just it's totally a throwaway gag that he does, but I love whenever you see like an opening elevator um and all the all the girls come out, you know, the the board switchers or the secretaries or whatever, they all come out and um <laughs> and there's the one lady who's always talking about uh the the guy. Um the one of the buddy boy guys um like and and did you notice this i don't think i picked up on it yeah so he's you know in in the it'll be like the the scene before he'll be like i had to i had to take her out to the drive-in and um you know in the in the back of the station wagon i'm too old for that and then she and then the the next scene like the the elevator doors will open and she walks out and she is like he took me to a drive-in and you know it is (laughs) yeah i I just love that gag because it's so it's so like it's such a throwaway shot, but it always it it always makes me laugh. I don't know. I think it's funny. Well, Cameron, I think it's time to get into recommendations. Unless you have fun facts or anything else you want to share about this film, I know. No, I kind of sprinkled the fun facts in there, didn't I? I think they flowed out well. Yeah, we don't need a fun facts section. That's what the episode's about. Yeah, you know. Um, recommendations, Cameron. Fire I think away. This, I think this movie is for everybody. I watched it with Kiana, and she really enjoyed it. Um. You know, it's like it's such a it's a heartfelt movie. It's a sweet movie. Um, it's a very cynical and um, wise movie in a lot of ways. And yeah, I just think it I, I think I think everyone could get some sort of enjoyment out of it. And it's not slow either. It's it totally it takes you along. Yeah, I, I'd say maybe the middle drags a little bit, but once Fran tries to commit suicide, that's the movie like picks up the pace very quickly from there. Um, it is difficult for my entire family to stay awake during one film. <laughs> Usually one of them will pass out. That's yeah. like the best way of putting it. So all eyes were open. I, I agree with you. I think this movie's for everyone. Um, despite its depressing reality <laughs> behind it, there is... Positive truth, which I tend to gravitate towards. That's my subjective um, sort of, you know, preference, I guess. Um, But nevertheless, like, if the plot didn't end with such positivity and a good call to action, right, I don't think it would have the same legs that it does. It's just like, I'm like, it's, it's kind of perfect, you know? Yeah. Like I think that's like what's what's great about it. It's it's hard not to be positive about it. Um if you want to watch it, I can see you getting a little discouraged by the truth, but the best part about it uh maybe of the cynical view is that there's some fun jokes in there for you throughout yeah. it. So, highly recommend this film. I don't know if I liked it as much as Witness for the Prosecution, but it is wiser. It is more craftsman. Even though I thought that other movie was like just incredible. I'm becoming a wilder guy. 
I had I so it. much I had so much confidence in this movie being good after witness for the prosecution that I was like, I'm just gonna allow my entire family to watch it with me. Yeah. And I was a little nervous at parts. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Yeah. But uh he did not let me down. So I'm really enjoying Wilder. I'm real I'm super excited to do the commentary track with you. Uh, yeah. I week. I really appreciate that that you're enjoying it. I'm gonna send you a link. Um there's a on Amazon, there's like a 50 minute long documentary. If you want to watch, um, it's called, um, it's called don't be boring, I think. Um, mm. uh, and it's, um, it just goes through his, his sort of his life and, um, his career. It kind of ends on a really sad flat note actually. Um, but, <laughs> but for the most part, I really enjoyed this documentary because it's, it's totally an insight onto him as a, as a person, him as a, as a character. So I, I will, I'll send you a link to it, Isaac, if you want to watch it. Um, not required for the show, but I think if you're interested and you, you, you want to, um, you know, dig a little deeper in Wilder. Like, like this is this is a good place to go. So cool. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd I'd love to watch it. I, I haven't watched a documentary in forever, so I don't know if I'll get around to it. But I would like to send it yeah. my way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of Cinema Spectator. Um, again, you can check us out at Patreon.com/slash/ECSFProductions. Get some exclusive stuff that we do, including the commentary track for Some Like It Hot this month. Last month's commentary track was on. Empire Strikes Back, which is not a cinephile <laughs> movie, but it's because Cameron was sure MIA. it is. Um, it was, but the commentary around it is all about scores. My brother's in film, uh, not film school, music school. So it was interesting to hear what he was talking about. Composition wise, you can also get exclusive access to all the other commentary tracks. We post them with a little bit of movie audio or no movie audio at all. I do both just for you guys. Um, also, don't forget um, if you'd like to vote, in and your patron uh if you'd like to vote in this week's uh or this month's last movie uh please do that now uh the poll is up um so yeah go vote and you can check us out at youtube uh the channel is called ecfs productions we post this as a video feed from now on or at least we're trying to camera do you have a post date yet or are we just kind of like it's up in the air i do it every monday so okay awesome yeah It'll happen, so it will at least be up by Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the we're kind of experimenting with video, so it's not going to be perfect. Cameron's got a nice camera going on. He's he's set up well today. Me yeah. on the other hand, I'm on this uh, just web MacBook webcam. So we're we're working on it. The quality is coming, but at least we're starting. You know, sometimes you just got to start. That's that's what they say. So uh, you never know where you end up. And I guess on that, we'll close. We post every Monday to iTunes and, and Spotify. So give us a rating and all that good stuff, and we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast executive produced by Darren O'Neill. If you want your name read in the credits of the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash Productions to achieve this status. Thank you, Darren, for the support. And for the rest of you, we appreciate your support as well. Have a good one.